Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake off. And today we are going to be talking about the, I didn't get my notes up, 15th episode of the second season of Supernatural called Tall Tales. Jamie, what did you think? It's such a cool episode, but it just is eh. Yeah. You know, like there's so much they could have done with it and it's just sort of falls flat because of some of the jokes in here. Quote unquote jokes. They are... They don't hit the 2005 nostalgia button enough to excuse them for, like, just how gross they are. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. I was actually really disappointed re-watching this episode because I haven't, like, properly watched it in years. Like, I've, I've realised we've gotten to a point in the series where I haven't actually re-watched a lot of this section probably within the last five or six years. So, for me, like, a lot of what I remember about it is from years ago or from like the memes or like the meta analysis and stuff on Tumblr like so I realized watching the episode that the way that I remembered it is not actually 100% accurate to how it played out on screen and uh yeah there is a lot more inexcusable dialogue and just general shit <laughs> in this episode than I remember and that was it's kind of a bummer cuz I had such fond memories of it like And I also think that the beginning of the episode is so promising. Yeah. That first scene where they're both telling their version of what happened at the bar. Yeah. And, like, in Sam's eyes, Dean's, you know, like, he's just, like, chugging shots. Yeah, he's drunk and the girl with him is just completely trashed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, and then, you know, Dean's like, no, she was a classy lady. And, like, it all just completely. And it became, like, a 007 suave, like, like, you know. And there's just so much potential there. And then it just, like... It devolves into... Yeah, there are so many things. I don't... I'm not even going to try and sum it up. We've got, like, 50 minutes to to talk about it, so I'm not going to try and sum it here. But, yeah, and what's... Other... Like, okay. Obviously, there are a lot of problems with this episode. We're going to talk about at least a few of them. I don't know if we'll have... If we'll even have the the time to cover everything, but a lot of it. I do want to point out, though, in the scenes that do still land... Like, because there are some that, they like... They land super well. Yeah. But the issue is it's then immediately undercut by a scene with a joke, like, bust the Asian beauties. Yeah, which is, like, absolutely unnecessary. Like So fetishistic, it's like... Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, that wow, is... Wow, what a way to fetishize the Asian community. Like, yeah. And yikes. Big yikes. Big yikes. <laughs> the return of big yikes, yes. <laughs> It's like Rather. swinging like a metronome this episode. Like yeah. from big yikes to like actually that was a really interesting and cool concept to big yikes again yeah. immediately afterwards. And unfortunately, particularly with the I don't know, franchise, I guess, of like busty Asian beauties, which is just so it it was a terrible choice. Like I don't I don't know why. They could have made a porn joke there without yeah. fetishizing an entire they, culture. Exactly. You know, and Unfortunately, like, I would love to say this is the last we ever hear of Busty Asian Beauties, but it's really not. It becomes, like, an ongoing quote-unquote gag throughout the whole series, and it, like, every time it comes up, I'm like, guys... It wasn't funny the first time. Yeah. It's not funny now. And it's, Why like... Why are you still going on this? It's, yeah, it's it's very frustrating, because it's, like, who thought this was a good idea? Like, it, it's almost, like, you're shocked that it made its way through the cracks of, like, the initial draft in the writer's room and, like, all yeah. that and, like, through, you know, it, it went through all of those levels and you're like, how the fuck did this end up on my television screen? But then it, like, happens 
again and again and again and again. And you're like, oh, this didn't slip through the cracks. They They think this is good. Yeah. And they continue to, like, continue that trend all the way up until, I'm pretty sure there's a note of it in the last season, like, which only ended in 2020. That is insane that that was something that they thought was not only okay, but actively funny. And seemingly still do. It's a very can. It's it's gross. Buck wild. Yeah, and, and it's not even a buck, buck lemming. I was going to say it's not even a buck lemming episode. It was written by um, uh, John Shaban, who's actually done like I mean, he did a few episodes that have been quite good. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. This one just it's a bummer. It's a real bummer. Like I said, I have really fond memories of it. And, like, a lot of it is quite iconic. I think that's because if you just look at, like, the overarching plot line and the overarching concept, it's a really cool episode. I really love the idea of, like, a trickster demigod who's, like, yeah. sort of just giving people their just desserts. And it's like... Yeah, exactly. Sam and Dean can't just walk away because, at the end of the day, he is murdering people. Mm-hmm. But also, like, he is murdering people in a way relevant to... It's but, justified, but, almost. But like, he's also not just murdering people. Yeah. Like, he murders... Two of the three victims, but one of them... He lets he go. He lets go. And so it's like, he's just punishing them for who they are as people, like, and he's punishing them in a relevant way. So it's like, I think, like, it's a really cool concept, and it's a really cool monster of the week, and I'm hoping it comes back and at yeah, some And yeah, at the end, like, we see that, like, they didn't actually kill him, which leaves it really open. Which again, but I'm sorry. A wooden stake doesn't kill a vampire. Why the fuck would it kill a demigod? It'll be... Did you see that the, like... I can't remember if they mentioned it in the episode. I was... I had my dog on my lap and he was a little distracting. But, um... So, I think... I don't know if they actually mentioned this or if this is just something that's from another episode and I just carried it across and filled in the blanks. But some particularly, like, beings that they deal with that come from, like, generally, like, pagan backgrounds or, like, that sort of, like, old world, old world Oh, like a scarecrow. Yeah, it tends to be the situation where it's like a particular, like the wood of a particular type of tree and it's usually dipped in like lamb's blood or like something. There's usually some sort of tree branch-esque thing and some sort of blood-esque material that you combine and then you stab it. Kind of like the dead man's blood with vampires, you know, and that tends to be the way. It's very ritualistic, I think is the point. The point, because I stabbed him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it feels it, this. Yeah, this episode is there's a lot. I think yeah. maybe let's. Um, it's that meme. Like we don't have time to unpack all that. Yeah, literally. I yeah, you know, and obviously there is so much. I don't know if would you prefer to get out of the way the stuff that we hated, or get out of the way the stuff that we enjoyed. Like, what order do you want to do this in? Do you want to end on a high? <laughs> I was just going to talk and hope it made sense. Yeah, I was thinking that. That seems like way too much planning for me, honestly. <laughs> okay. Um, in that case, I wanted to point out something that I actually hadn't noticed in the episode before. The very first victim. Yes. The uh, professor who is... Cheating on his wife. And cheating on his wife. And also a morality professor and he's sleeping with undergrads and it's just like a whole... Yeah. Thing like I don't... I think it's very fitting that the way they chose for him to die is like the ghost of yeah and i think that would have been an interesting episode all on its own yeah i realized her costuming and like sort of the idea of it very reminiscent of the pilot of Mm. woman in white and i'd never picked up on that before but i was watching it today and i was like oh 
She look like she looks so similar to the woman in white. Like even like her as an actress, like similar hair. But also, hair it was just like a cute outfit, and I wear it. <laughs> yeah, but no, I realized I was like, oh, it's very like it's it's a similar concept as yeah. well. Um, but yes, no, the deaths or the tortures, I guess, were yeah. obviously apt for the people that he chose yeah. to target. I guess that's that's the whole point. And it also like I do think it makes a lot of sense that all of the. All of the tortures, all of the punishments that he doled out, they come from stories, like urban yeah. legends, folklore, those sort of things. Like the first, pro- like the professor died mm-hmm. based on a ghost story that gets passed down at like the school. The yeah. school. The second victim. Aliens. Aliens. No further explanation. There are good. so many alien abduction stories. Mm-hmm. They circulate like really heavily, like because a lot of the times people who say they're being abducted by aliens don't have any physical proof. Yeah. They only have the fact that they were... They're saying it. They're saying it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's... They have their story and nothing else. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the urban legend of, like... The alligator in the sewers. Alligator in the sewers, which has never been confirmed to be a thing, but it's certainly a a fun story for uh, children and young people to cling on to and horrify their friends with. Yeah. Oh, by the way, on that note of the alligator in the sewer, do we know how Sam knows what the belly scale of an alligator looks like? He has some weird <laughs> knowledge. I will grant you that. Like, at what point did that come up in pre-law? Like, did he take, like, an intro to zoology course? Like, is that... I don't know. I, I, I love that there's no explanation. He just knows. Yeah, because normally the stuff... Like, normally the buckwild shit he knows is, like... Directly tied to like the epi- like they'll be like to, oh I read in this old book like, or like to like <laughs> normally like the random bullshit he knows is like directly tied to the supernatural mm. like it has something yeah, to do with you're like right. it's like, like a cult or cult yeah. or like he has knowledge that directly like it's about pagan rituals mm-hmm. and like sacrifices and like the inherent properties of different materials yeah and like that sort of stuff. He doesn't normally know just random shit about, like, animals. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, yes, I know what the belly scale of an alligator looks like. Oh, like, that's very niche knowledge. Like, based on no other... Maybe he does what some people do, like, and I've certainly done this before, and he's like, he'll go on Wikipedia to find out one thing <laughs> and he'll, like, go down the rabbit hole, and this is how he acquires all of his random batshit information. Okay. Just by going, like, Wikipedia rabbit holes... But I love that in the episode, like, they specify that the investigators could not figure out cause of death. But then, like, surely the, like, coroner or someone would have noticed the giant alligator belly scale that Sam notices. It's not exactly small. No. You think that they would have, like... And here's the thing. The also medical just... examiner <laughs> would have found it, gone, I don't know what that is. Yeah. And then, and then done research yeah, to work consulted, out what it was. like, someone else. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Anyway, it's... I don't know why that... But Sam can just look at it and be like, that's an alligator belly scale. (laughs) Law boys on the case. (laughs) One other thing that I wanted to mention about the episode that I was like, this isn't something that was like a problem that I was like, I can't believe that they left that in there. But this was something that was like, let's take a step back. Let me explain where I'm talking about. Okay. So the professor, right, when he's led the ghost up to, well, not really a ghost, I guess projection. Oh. Not a ghost, because the demigod can create anything, so he creates a ghost. Oh, I would argue that it's a projection that mimics a ghost, because he hasn't actually created a, a spirit. Mm. He's only created the projection of one. Anyway. Pedantic. Because it's like, it's like Loki, right? Yeah. Anyway, so the professor has led 
the ghost projection girl, whatever you want to call her, up into his office and they're chatting and she's looking at his book and she's like, oh, what a handsome picture. And he's like, ah ha ha, that old thing. And I was like, I can't believe you actually had that line in there. That is so, <laughs> like, no one fucking says that. But it's such, it's almost like a trope. Like it's, it's yeah. almost, you know what I mean? Like it's such a cliche, that particular mm. phrase. And I was like, bro. It's like um, every movie ever that has like a scene where like the like woman walks down the stairs and she looks gorgeous and they're like, wow, what a dress. And she's like, oh, this old thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I just threw this together. Like, bitch, no, you spent eight hours on that. Bitch, no, that's the dress that you walked into <laughs> a store one day and you bought because it was pretty, but you had nowhere to wear it to. And then it sat yeah. in the closet collecting dust for the last eight years and you finally had an excuse to wear it. Um, also, I just want to point out the professor, right? The guy yes. who plays him. Now, I've seen him in other things. Have you? Because I was yes. looking at this man, and I don't know if this is too niche for the podcast, but I'm going to say it and then we'll decide how it plays out. Okay. This man, I want you to picture his face. Close your yeah. eyes, visualize with me. Picture his face. Yeah. Okay, now, forget that. Picture the man who plays Lestrade in BBC Sherlock. Yeah. Right? Picture our current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. Yeah. Merge those two images and compare it (laughs) to the image of the man in the episode. Tell me, tell me, it does not look like that man is the love child of the man who plays Lestrade and our current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. It is not. In my, I was literally looking at him and I was like, why is he so familiar? Why is he so familiar? And I was like, you literally look like you've got ScoMo's fucking face, but like Lestrade's hair and features. And it really bothered me the entire scene. <laughs> I couldn't unsee it and it hurt me. It's, yeah, no, I, I know him from somewhere though. I'm now Googling to work out the actor's name because I know for a fact I've seen that actor in something else. Oh, okay. So that's what was bugging you, me the entire you time. You mean not in BBC Sherlock? Not or, in BBC Sherlock um, or the current government, no. The current government. <laughs> he was in Riverdale. That's probably where I know him from. Cause I watched, so another bad shit show. I watched the first... The CW. I watched the first episode. Oh my god, like the does first he play season. the dad, Cheryl's dad? Yeah, I think so. Because I also only watched was... the first season. Yeah, and that, yeah, Cliff Blossom. That's so he funny. He was the dad in Riverdale. All he roads was... lead back to Supernatural if you just look close enough. Apparently, he comes back. This actor comes back in Supernatural. Who the fuck else does he play? Someone named Russell. Russell. Can I see? Oh, I know what episode that is. Do you remember his character or just... No, I don't. I remember another character from that episode. Anyway. Okay. Well, there you go. Mystery solved. That's probably where you recognised him from. Yeah, not because he looks like the love child of another actor and our prime minister. Yeah. (laughs) But because he was actually in Supernatural again at a later date. Yes. Also, I want to point out the scene, obviously, with him and the projection ghost girl is yet another example of men being so fucking gross. Yeah. He's literally, literally telling her... She should go because it would be morally wrong. And he just, he couldn't take advantage of her because he respects her too much. As he is, like, touching her face and, like, getting in her, like, business and fuck it. It's like, bro. We return to men are stupid and horny. Anyway, one thing they do when on the episode is uh, make you unsympathetic to the people who die. (laughs) They do. Not too Um, dissimilar from um, Houses of the Holy. Here's the thing, though. I was, like, at first I was, like, Fuck yeah, it is a, like, I was just like, oh, maybe it is just a ghost. He's about to be like, no, like, you should go, like, very flattering, but like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. It's wrong. I'm like, 
Look at this guy go. Right. He's going to fucking live because he's not a dumbass. Right. And then he proceeds to be a massive fucking dumbass. And it's annoying because he starts to be like, you know, like, I understand, you know. And then she's about to walk out the door. You know. And he's like, oh, wait. He was about to handle it, like, pretty much as well as you possibly could. Like, as a grown adult. Hey, I see what you're saying. Please don't feel embarrassed. But, you know, this is not appropriate and I don't condone it and I'm married. Yes. And, you know, all these things. And I, you know... I'm a decent human being. I'm not going to do it. Exactly. Like, that was, like, probably the best possible way he could have handled that situation. And then he, like, immediately 180s it. And it's like, bro, you were so close. (laughs) You were so close to the point and you just fucking turned around. It's like Supernatural's entire motto. (laughs) They're so close to the point. And then they swerve left. Yeah, literally this whole episode, hey. Because, like, okay, so one of the things that I do love in this episode is we mentioned it earlier, the retelling of the scene that happens in the bar. Yes. The way that Dean reimagines Sam is the funniest fucking thing. It's so funny. And Jared's, like, his facial expressions are iconic. I Dean, will admit... What are you doing? <laughs> I think both Jared and Jensen yeah. did fantastic fucking jobs yeah. in the two versions of that first scene. Because, like, they clearly are playing it like the other character sees uh-huh. them. It's done to, like, perfectly. Like, that is... They are both very... Like, when they get to flex their funny bones... Yeah. It's fantastic. And I would have really enjoyed if the whole episode was sort of like Similar that. Similar But, unfortunately, again, they're so close to getting the point. Yeah. And then they swerve Completely left. Completely missed the mark. I think I would have almost preferred if the entire episode was told that way. Yeah. Through, like, the storytelling device. Because, yes, it is through the storytelling device, but it's sort of like they start telling the story and then they cut to what actually happened. I just wish that, like, it had seemed kind of distorted. Like, the entire story seemed kind of distorted because it was through stories, you know what I mean? Like, I wish that there would just be a couple of things that were kind of off, like, continuity errors between shots where, like, somebody forgot to mention an important detail earlier in the story and then it just, like, randomly appears because otherwise the story doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, I wish they'd sort of really committed to the bit and done it, like, all the way, you yeah. know? I definitely agree. Like, there's certainly more they could have done with this episode. And going back to going back to the things they did poorly. We're going to be in this episode. We, so like, I really like this. We really hate this. Quite genuinely. Swinging wildly back and forth. The probing yeah. detail... From the abduction story. Uh, yes. So we are back on to one of those things that I was like, oh, we really it could have done so without the rape unnecessary. Joke. We really could have done without the rape Yeah, joke, and yeah. they doubled down on it. Yeah. Because not only does he have to, like, recount that situation, but then literally Dean is like, um, an alien made you their bitch. And I was like, okay, so we're not only talking about a rape, we're also now being homophobic and sexist. Like, we're really, we're tripling down on this. Like, we're, we're really gonna, this is the hill we're gonna die on. And what gets me, though, is that scene is so much funnier if, you know, the guy's terrified at the bar, he's like, they made me do things. And then, like, it's if the, the reveal was the slow dancing, or, yeah. like, he had to do the dishes, or, like, yeah. you know, he had to clean up after them. It's very funny, because it's, like, it seems like this really insane overreaction to having to do, like, basic human yeah. things. And it's also, like, the hilarity of, like, 
the aliens abducted me just to like dance with me to some like 80s yeah. love ballad. Like that's funny. That's so crazy. It's it's literally like you know how like if you're telling a joke, mm. it's like if the joke is essentially here is a normal situation, here's a bizarre twist. That's the joke. It's it's the out of left field like I would never have expected this answer and the slow dancing thing is 100% that. And it lands really well. The slow dancing thing is great. My issue is the slow dancing thing. But the lead up to the slow dancing. Is, like, the slow dancing thing undercuts this horrific rape story. Yeah, Because exactly. that's what it is. That is what he is telling. What's, like... And it would have been just funnier to have the joke by itself for him to be like, no, I can't tell you. It's too embarrassing. Like, I can't tell you. Yeah. It's too horrific. I can't tell you. And then, like... The like, joke could have been, like... This alien couple wanted to go out for their 10th anniversary and they abducted a human to babysit the kids for a couple hours. Yeah. Like, that could have been the joke. It's horrible, is what it yeah. is. And, like... They play it off as a joke, which I think is the worst thing. Yeah, I think the thing is that they made a... I'm, I often say, like, quote-unquote joke because jokes are funny. Yeah. Like, and the problem is, like, they were intending for this to be mm. funny, but it isn't, and it would have been... It would have been funny if they had gone with, like, the slow dancing thing. Yeah. Like, that is funny. Yeah. And another thing, just quickly before we move on, because, you know, we could talk about this for the whole hour, but in um, Houses of the Holy, one of the people who was set up to be killed because of the horrible actions was an attempted rapist. Mm. So two episodes ago, we're showing how this is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing that we're going to justify your death with. Two episodes later, it's a joke. But no, it's sort of like, yeah, they go from rape is a horrible thing and if you do it, you should, you should die. You deserve death. To rape is a hilarious punishment if you're a bad if person. It's, yeah, in the span of two episodes. I think it also just does demonstrate, like, the difference a writer can make. Yeah, but like I said before, like, when you're talking about busty Asian beauties, like, that got approved. Like, yeah. one person wrote that. Yeah. But then it would have gone through so, so many. many fucking people, like writers and producers and executives. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, another thing that was done well. Okay. I feel like let's just try and show any change. Look, the episode was highs and lows. This episode is going to be highs and lows. That's the pattern. It's a bit like buns. <laughs> yeah. Again, problematic. So, one of the things, like another. Uh, example of the brothers retelling their stories is we get camp counselor Sam you brave little soul you're too precious for this world <laughs> I acknowledge your pain iconic <laughs> yeah. they really were like and see that's the thing I really enjoyed the scenes where it's like it's very clearly from one of the brothers perspective yeah, completely exaggerated and like it's taking one of the like traits that they're known for and just like making it 100% like yeah. full throttle yeah I think those scenes are really good. I think they have, like, a lot of, like, you know, like, there's a lot of good and that that concept holds so much potential. Yeah. I guess part of that is because, like, the point of, like, at this point, the trickster is manipulating the brothers to be, like, fighting with each other. So they're making fun of each other as they're telling the story. I think they still recognise, and, like, there is still bits in the episode when they're talking to Bobby, who, by the way, Bobby, again, two episodes in a row, loving this. You know, they're talking to him. Like, they still recognise that the information they're giving Bobby needs to be clear because they're still running a case. They're just fucked off with each other. So, like, they'll make a joke out of each other in the scenes, but they're not making a joke out of the people Mm. in the scenes. Like, at least in their retelling. Like, that's why in uh, the bar scene, like, 
Dean and Sam both still give the important information that they learned in the scenario, mm. but you know, obviously Dean is trashed in one, and in the other, Sam eventually just devolves into saying only the word blah, which is hilarious. <laughs> I think the worst thing for me watching this episode is I have seen an episode of basically this concept but done really well, and I've seen it done, and it's really good and really funny, and it's like, yeah. I just wish they managed to do that, but it's like, this episode just falls short when I have, like, other things and better media to be able to compare it to, like... Better media where, like, the jokes aren't supernatural jokes, quote-unquote. Yeah. And actually what's interesting is uh, when they're just, like, arguing, there's we get this great line from Sam when he's talking about how he's so fed up with Dean and he puts up with a lot of shit. And Dean's like, oh, I'm a joy to be around. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And Sam's like, um, you know, your food. And Dean's like, what's wrong with my food? He's like, it's not food anymore, Dean. It's Darwinism. And <laughs> that... I don't remember that line, but it's actually one of my favourites from the whole episode. And I also think it is very interesting. Moving forward, Dean actually, as a person, takes a lot of pride in, like, his possessions. Like, we see how well he takes care of Baby. Baby, like, remembering that they are constantly road tripping. Do we ever see trash in that car? No. Exactly. Never. Despite, like, them always being on the road, that car is almost exclusively spotless. Like... He loves that fucking thing. And, like, later down through the series, when they have more of a, like, home base, he is, like, so meticulous about yeah. his his room is always spotless. In fact, it's actually a thing, like, we can tell when he is not coping as, like, emotionally, like, when he's in a depressive state, because his room is a mess. Like, that's, like, one of the, like, narrative... Narrative ways set, they're showing. Set design that, like, ways that we can see, oh, Dean is not okay. Look, there's beer bottles around. But like, it's also, that should like, be clean. You can see it in the way he takes care of his equipment. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can see it in the back of the Impala. Like, the things that he is, like, his possessions. Yeah. And I think that stems from not having a solid home. Yeah. like He's made the Impala his home and it needs to be perfect. Yeah. Because he needs it as his home. Like, he can't have it be anything that's going to get in his way. It has to be the best. It's like he doesn't own much. So what he owns, what he can call his... He is going to treasure and he is going to take the best care of what he calls his because he doesn't have a lot. Like if you have like an excess of something, like it doesn't matter if you damage some or lose some or whatever. But when you don't have a lot, you, you're you going to like hold on to that and take care of that as much as possible. Like I think that's partially where it stems from. Yeah. We don't see it quite as much with Sam. Yeah. It's more pronounced in Dean. Yeah. So I just thought that that was like interesting like – because That's obviously, what they decided to do. Yeah, well, I mean, they're also, at this point, like, they're in a, like, a motel room. Like, yeah. it doesn't belong to him. And, yeah. like, so he can leave his socks in the sink or whatever. Like, he doesn't care. But I think it's an interesting contrast to how we see him take care of the Impala and also in later seasons, yeah. how we see him take care of his actual space. While we're talking about set design, though, I will say the set designers of this episode did an immaculate job making that auditorium look tacky as fucking hell. Right? iconic such a good like like the porn set every choice they made <laughs> in the that auditorium it was tacky as hell and i loved it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like, uh <laughs> perfect i think one thing that i actually i actually wanted to talk to you about this because i realized so at the end obviously jumping right to the end of the episode yeah. here uh sort of the climax if you will again the metronome effect <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there are the two projected women yeah. who Again, issues, they're essentially sex dolls, I guess. Like, 
But look, at the end of the day, at least the trickster creates people out of thin air who are essentially like robots, yeah. sex dolls, some sort of like he's creating blank slates to do whatever. He, like at least he's not like mind washing people to. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. There are. They could have made this so much more problematic by making it actual <laughs> people who he then like. I love that the standards for this episode is like, look, it could have been a lot worse. Let's just be glad it's only as problematic as it is. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's sad. So what I wanted to point out is that, like, obviously everything that he creates within that sequence. So the two women who are trying to seduce Dean, yeah. the chainsaw guy, yeah. you know, all these things. When he, quote unquote, dies, all of those things dissipate. Yeah. The set does not. Yeah. Which implies that... <laughs> The set is real. I and was it's just waiting in for this set to disappear. <laughs> and it's just, that bed and that disco ball is just going to be in that college auditorium. Like, someone's just going to rock up on Monday and just find that. Maybe or, they were doing, like, Moulin Rouge or something. I was just going to say, or the other alternative is that it was already there because it's for a show they're doing. Either way, it's so tacky and I love it. Yeah. All the red. All the, the circular red. bed. Oh. The little, like, <laughs> folding screens at the, like... Yeah. Corners of the stage, the disco ball. Oh, everything about it. I'm pretty sure there was like a like a shag rug as well. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. like his, I, uh, those tacky buttons. <laughs> I I do really love uh, the trickster. I think that one mm. of the things that makes him he's a fan favorite. I yeah. don't think that's not a, a surprise. Shock. No, I think one of the things that makes... and given that they didn't permanently kill him, it's not really a shock that he's going to come back. Well, I mean, to be fair. You don't know that he's going to come back. Yeah. But, but they leave it open-ended, which is nice yeah. because it it definitely means that even regardless of what happens through the rest of the show, it's just like, oh, well, it, it leaves it open because he's it's still kind out of, there. It's kind of like Meg. Yeah. Like, we know that she lived, so it's like, oh, she could pop up at any point. So it's like, from this point on, you're like, are they being manipulated? Is this the trickster? So, like, like you're are aware Are they genuinely that... mad at each other, or is this just... Yeah, are they being manipulated? Yeah. So it's like, or even with the FBI, actually, they've set it up a lot this season, yeah. now that I'm saying it out loud, is that there's always, like, a constant looming, oh, well, this person is still out there, and there's still a consequence for that. Even This um, person is still there. And Gordon, yeah, as well, um, is another great example. And with, um... The band of hunters looking for Sam. Yeah, exactly. There's well, a, they know they're looking for Sam, but... There's a lot of looming threats in this season. And what's funny is it's almost like... You know that tactic? Um, I've seen this suggested a lot in, like, if you're writing something, or particularly D&D, this yeah. is a suggestion, where you just get your players or you, you include an object or something. You just give it a little bit more description than you necessarily have to. It doesn't have to have a purpose at that point in time. But just, like... If you have a player who's like, ooh, I, you know, I roll to, like, investigate this chest or whatever, have them find something that, like, means nothing at the time. But you can then call back later. Yeah. So it could be ten sessions down the line and you're like, remember that red rock that you found? Yeah. The red rock is suddenly burning a hole through your pocket. You know, like, you can make it important in retrospect. And I think that one of the things that is really clever about this setup of having all of those looming threats is that if they never pick those threads back up, the audience probably wouldn't really notice. Like it doesn't really impact you. The FBI one maybe, but even that they could drop it and you wouldn't really care. Cause like stuff happens where like crime sprees and that, they just sort of fade out of the public. Yeah. Exactly. Like there are no leads. The investigators give up. Yeah. 
there are explanations for why it never come up again. Yeah, but by leaving it open-ended... And, like, something like this, where it's, like, the trickster, it's, like, if they never see the trickster again, it's just because the trickster doesn't want them to see him again. Exactly. He's just staying out of the way, doing his own thing. The brothers think he's dead, so he's just going to continue living exactly. his life he's and like, just avoid He's, like, in witness of protection, yeah. essentially. But if they want to pick up that thread, they absolutely can. And they can do it at any time. So it's, like, it keeps the audience in suspense... Yeah. And it's also like the audience will be like, oh my god, like I forgot about that. Yeah. And it's also it's like a fun moment when it comes Yeah, back. exactly. You're like, oh, I forgot about Henriksen. Yeah. Or like, oh, I, you know, what's Meg been up to? But I will say I do love the trickster. Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. And I think um, he's played by Richard Spate, who actually does come back and do direction Ooh. for some of the episodes. Yeah. And he his, some of his episodes are very well regarded. I think it's just this sh- shame that... The actor is really good. The character is really good. I think it's just a shame that they're in this episode. Yeah. And this is what they decided to do with the concept. I'm, I'm just circling back. Yeah. The concept is insanely mm-hmm. good. It is such a fun concept. They could have done so much with it. Yeah. It is just a shame that it is riddled, like, not even really jokes, but it's riddled with these one-liners yeah. about, like... And plot points that are and just... And plot points that are just, Unnecessary, like, for yeah. one, and two, just... Bad. They just kind of weirded me out. Like, yeah, and it's it really sucks because like you want to like you're laughing along from like the joke that actually hit, and then they keep going, and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be laughing right yeah. now. And then it's like this weird like you're like ha ha, mm, mm. ha mm, you know, and it, it kind of it it breaks the you want to keep yeah, yeah you want to keep that like like that feeling going that ha 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 very funny feeling going, yeah. and it just kind of you just kind of get hit in the face every now and again like. You know, you just get... You're, it's like you're watching a comedy show and every now and again someone just jumps up next to you and punches you in the face. Yeah. And you're like, well, it's very hard to enjoy John Mulaney's sketch when this man next to me keeps hitting me in the face. Yeah. Oh, they did something. Okay. Yep. That we usually complain about. Yep. But they did it with intention this time. Yep. Yelling about the case in public for manipulation. They weren't just yelling about it for because they do. But also... If I'm remembering that argument correctly, they didn't say anything uh, yes. incriminating. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the trickster god who is currently hunting people on this campus. Like they're not. They're, they're like we don't have any proof that's what he is. Like, yeah, it's still vague. It's still vague enough that like the average passerby is gonna think that like they're just discussing they somebody anything. doing something bad. You know, like yeah, you know, maybe they're talking about somebody stealing somebody else's work and they're looking for proof. Of, like. Could mean anything. Like it's They're not, not talking about credit card scams. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing it's nothing specific enough that somebody's gonna A think they're batshit or B call the cops on them. But so, I just I, thought it was worth mentioning because usually we make fun of them for it. This time they employed the tactic. And it, it was, was successful. Tactic, I think is the other Yeah. They're, like they're intentional. aware of what they're doing. Whereas a lot of the other time it just seems like they just don't even think about it. And it's like perhaps Maybe just you should consider the fact you're in public. And other people could hear about you. While we're on a bit more of a positive note, let's talk about a line that I absolutely loved in this episode. Okay. It's just your casual haunting alien abduction alligator in the sewer case. <laughs> yeah. It's like simple. Simple. Like no <laughs> diversity here, though. Very straightforward. <sighs> exactly like, you know, playthings or something where it's like just the kids died and I was trying to trap another kid so they have a friend. 
That's run of the mill sunburn. Run of the mill sunburn, you know, very average, everyday, like trickster god (laughs) who creates. But also, let's talk about Bobby and his competence for a minute. I love Bobby. Remember, I was saying. He's he's like, you've missed the most glaring, obvious fucking thing. Right? Someone's playing jokes on you, and like, you're not, neither of you are owning up to, like, because also, if you remember back in like Hell House, when they are playing jokes on each other, Mm. they take great pride. In the other sibling, yeah. knowing it was them who was fucking their shit up. Yeah, and also they're not going for anything that would, like, actually piss them off. Like, right. there is no fucking universe in which Sam Winchester punctures baby's tires and doesn't expect to be murdered. Like, there is also no universe in which Dean fucks up Sam's computer. Yeah. Considering <laughs> Sam's computer is one of those it's things. Essential. <laughs> that, that, it's the same as, like, the car. Like, yeah. they are essential things in their line of work. Every joke we have seen them play on each other to this point is like itching powder. Is like itching powder. It's like stuff that will piss the other person Super off, blue. Yeah. but not stop them from doing their job. Yeah, exactly. Because like when it comes down to it, they're still working. Yeah. No, I love Bobby. I love that he like he really goes into dad mode with them and is straight up like, right now he did not loot like steal your yeah. computer, and he's like, but and he's like, nope. He also did not fuck with your card. Sounds like, yeah. <laughs> so funny like Bobby like I think in our intro episode when I was asking you what do you know about these characters you said that Bobby is like the father they should have had yeah yeah like and you can see it in these like these interactions where he's like taking on that parent role and it's funny because it's one of the few times that we see Dean in this like actual child role and not as the pseudo parent like when Bobby is there it's like he can f- relax. He's yeah, no longer he can... responsible exactly. for being the parent. And you can actually like really see that shift. Like it's almost like he just like a weight lifts from him. Like yeah. obviously he's a very a lot of things weigh on Dean's shoulders. But it's like Bobby's there. It looks like and he's it just... constantly grinding his teeth. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Dentists hate him. <laughs> Hilariously, that will be relevant in later seasons. But yeah, no, Bobby, like, the presence of Bobby, it's just like he can almost be like, oh, thank God, someone who can help me with this burden. Because he'd never put it on Sam if he could avoid it. And obviously John was no help ever. And it, for me, it's like if he tried to get John to help him with the burden, John would take the burden, add to it, and then Push shove it back. it back on Dean. Yeah, he would be like, wow, thanks for burdening me with this. Um, Way to be a shitty son and give it back. And then Dean would have but the burden give it back and with then his the guilt. Own burden as well. Yeah. Like, so he's like, here, have your burden back with added guilt and self-hatred. As interest. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, I love Bobby. And actually that scene as well, I wanted to mention, there is a line that Sam says where like they're talking about the lost laptop and Sam just goes, I don't lose things, which is a hilarious line. In, I think, there's a follow-up in season three, I want to say, in, like, season three's comedic episode. It's just very funny with future context. Because, like, it's just one of those, like, there's a very iconic line from Sam in another, like, comedy episode later down, which, like, completely contradicts this, and I just... So, obviously, he does lose something at some point. And, I, it's, and it's important it's, that he it becomes, loses something at some point. It becomes a very iconic thing yeah. that he lost. Yeah. <laughs> And so I just, I saw this. If you know what I'm talking about, you you know what I'm talking about. Um, and it's just, it's very funny. Like, to the point, my friend in high school who got me into Supernatural had a poster with the line like, of the thing that he lost on, like, framed on her bedroom wall. Like, it's yeah. a it's a very big, like, it's a funny, everyone knows what he lost. 
yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was just very funny to me. <laughs> oh, sorry. Again about Sam. Yeah. Who the fuck has a monogrammed money clip? This bitch is extra. Of all the things for Sam to just casually own, I don't think I've ever in my life, in real life, seen a money clip. Have you ever seen one? No. I don't think... Maybe we just don't know people with enough money. (laughs) But I don't think I've ever seen an honest-to-God money clip. Mm. And I don't know if we ever see one again in the show. I don't think that particular money clip ever comes back. Like, was it a gift from Jess? Like, you'd have to assume, like, maybe... Because it's implied that they've been together quite a while. Sandwich. Well, they were going to get engaged. Yeah. Maybe, like, it was a gift from Jess's parents or something. Yeah. Oh, do you know what is a real shame that they never did? We never meet Jess's parents. That would have been really interesting. Can, can you imagine if they ended up having a case where, like, it's Jess's parents, like, house has a poltergeist or something in yeah. it, and, like, they end up investigating, and so it's, like, Sam going back into... God, that would have been such a good way to get to know Sam as a character and, like, what his relationship with Jess was like in those years he was at Stanford. No, no, we're not allowed to do that. That would potentially mean giving Jess any sort of personality. (laughs) And they have established, at this point, she is a victim and nothing more. She shall not have any defining character traits other than being supportive and dead. Oh, you're so right. But, God, wouldn't that have been so good? It would have. I. That's why they didn't do it. That is... A concept that has so much potential. Yeah. You You learn more about Jess and about Jess's relationship to Sam and about Sam. Because at this point, they haven't even confirmed how long Sam and Jess have been together. Yeah, and you would assume... Like, you assume that it's been at least a year or two. Yeah, and you have to think that, like... I mean, Sam obviously wasn't seeing Dean and John for, like, holidays. Yeah. So he's probably spent them with Jess's family. Like, and... Americans have even more fucking holidays than we do because they've got like they do big things for Halloween, but also like Thanksgiving yeah, and Fourth of July, and like we don't have any of that shit. Well, we have Australia Day, but like that's vaguely racist anyway. So let's move on. Yeah, you know, vaguely, that's, vaguely racist, Jamie. That's problematic <laughs> in its own special way. Yeah, but hashtag, let's just hashtag change the date, people. But you know, like, so he would have he would have probably been spending the holidays. With Jess's family. So, like, they know him and, like, all of a sudden he's, like, just dropped off the face. They've lost their daughter and then they've lost what would have been their son-in-law. Yeah. And it also would have given such insight into what Sam was like when he was out of the life. Yeah. Because they would have, like, this idea. Of, like, there's probably pictures of him on their fridge. Can you imagine Dean walking into that house and, like, seeing Sam's life? Like, and also just, like, the throat punch of guilt Dean would have. From tearing Sam away from what seems like a pretty perfect life. Yeah. Because this is like everything that Sam could have had embodied in the family that Sam could have had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is the family that Sam wanted and imagine Dean's guilt at that. I think it would have been even better if like Jess's parents were just like the most wholesome people and like immediately yeah. adopted Dean as well. Yeah. You know, because I feel like like just that double dose of like, Oh, this is what a family could be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. If only. Anyway, enough of the good supernatural that lives in our heads. <laughs> Back to the shit one that lives on our TVs. Oh, I have another point that I haven't made yet. The trickster. God. Icon. We, we can say it. We can be honest icon, in this yes, space. Yes. Icon. He also has a dog. Yes, and I love his dog. Oh my god, when he whistled... Okay, so you know how I said um, Arlo was on my lap? Yeah. Okay, and it's because when he whistled, Arlo came running over because he heard the whistle. The dog ran up on the screen and jumped on his lap, and my dog in real life ran up and jumped on my 
sometimes sometimes art like, mirrors life. Oh, it was so. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch. Supernatural is not really art, but and it, like it makes you wonder, like, is it an actual dog or is it like <laughs> did he just make a dog? <laughs> it doesn't matter. The dog is adorable, and I is love it. He he's the highlight of the episode. I love mm. him. Thank you, dog. We don't get many dogs no. on Supernatural, although the ones that we do get are memorable. That'll this isn't going to be like another racist monster truck situation, is it? Just you wait. It's certainly interesting. There are a few instances of dogs in Supernatural. Choices were made. None of the words that come out of your mouth just then are reassuring. If anyone, I'm thinking you of, are the. I'm thinking of three dogs off the top of my head. All of them were interesting choices. I don't want to get into it. it's later season stuff. You are the podcast equivalent. Of going into an airplane bear bathroom, really terrified of flying, getting told, it's unlikely that you're going to die. Only one in this many planes <laughs> go down. Sorry, Jamie. No, oh, I can't spoil it for you. But, like, anyone who's listening who's seen the show, I hope you know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm thinking about, I don't, I don't know how to describe this without, the, the one that Dean argues with, <laughs> hear me out, the one that Sam lets into the room and then when Dean comes in he thinks it's a very different situation to what Sam thought it was. The one oh um bones. Uh that's a very wholesome one though. And the miracle. I think that's vague enough <laughs> to not spoil it for you, but for they're the dogs that immediately come to mind. Oh and the Yorkie <laughs> You didn't see it, but Bethany just sat up bull upright like she was shot with 10,000 bolts straight to the heart. I can't believe I forgot the Yorkie. Okay, moving on. Oh, and Juliet, but she's not really a dog. Okay. <laughs> that was something. I don't know what. Just you wait. Something. If Let's... you know, you know. I think I'm and sick if you of... don't, you're Jamie. <laughs> I think I'm sick of having no idea what we're talking about. Let's move on to my PSA. Okay. So what do you think my PSA is this week? Um. Well, jumping on the dogs theme... Uh, okay. Adopt, don't shop? No. Ah, uh-huh. okay. That's my unsolicited advice then. Okay. Hit up your local shelters before buying multi-thousand dollar puppies. What is your PSA? Don't have an affair with your professor. Oh, yeah. Don't have an affair in general, I think. Yeah. Like, you don't have to specify it more than that, necessarily. But also, if you're a professor, don't have an affair with your undergrads. Oh, yeah. Don't take advantage of people. Just generally. It's a douche move. That's a good PSA. You will get murdered by a fake ghost. And you know what? They'd be valid. Yeah. We wouldn't be that sympathetic. <laughs> no. no, it's a good PSA. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't think it requires that much discussion. No. Moving on. <laughs> Let's discuss the sibling energy. <gasps> yes, please. I adore it. Did you watch the intro to the episode this time like I suggested you should? You didn't suggest I do it for this specific episode. I suggested you do it in general. I'm assuming that you did not. <laughs> Jamie, what did I say about the intros being important? You gotta watch the recap because they they they're telling. Some of them are very important. Some of these intros I will have to talk to you about because of the nature of them. And if you haven't seen them, I'm gonna have to whip out my laptop and be like, Jamie, look at this montage that makes no sense. I did watch the intro. Oh good. <laughs> it was literally just the montage of every joke they've ever played on each other. Yeah, but it sets the tone for the episode. That's the point of it. For the recap. Sometimes it's important. Sometimes they will go through and be like, okay, here's a fact that you should remember. But yes, in this one, it's just very fun. It was like the, basically like the highlights of 
Hell House. Hell that was House. it. Yeah, it was just like a, essentially a, a recap of Hell House, and it was yeah. like, oh yeah, sometimes we have fun here. No, um, it's very fun. The sibling energy in this episode is off the fucking charts, and I love it. It's it's really fun to like see them interact, and like we said, like when Bobby's there, especially like they are immediately just children. Speaking of Bobby, jumping from the beginning of the episode, the intro right to the very end. Okay. Yep. In the final metronome. In yeah, in the final fight. There's uh, a chainsaw massacre type character with obviously a chainsaw and Bobby attempts to block the chainsaw with a wooden stake. Now I love Bobby. He's a very smart and competent hunter. It's a lovely refreshing change of pace from John. Yes. I don't know why he was so surprised that the chainsaw went through. Well, the we stick never use chainsaws to cut wood. I... Not at all. I thought it's definitely not their primary no, use. <laughs> not at all. Like I just there was like this look on Jim Beaver who plays Bobby. This look on his face, like he cannot believe what he's just witnessed with his two eyes. And I was like, bro, it's a chainsaw versus a plank of wood. I don't. It's like rock paper scissors. You know. Who wins in this scenario? Anyway, I just thought it was worth pointing out. Okay, so if you don't have anything else to mention, no. I'm all tapped out for the day. All tapped out. Call me too. In that case, that brings us to the end of our episode. How would you rate this week's episode, Tall Tales? I'm going to give it a two out of five. Do you know, I was thinking you'd say two. Because it's like you can't give it a three because three is like a like a midway. Midway. It would have gotten probably like a three and a half or a four if it was done well. It's yeah. such a good concept. And the only reason it's not getting only a one star is because it's a good concept. It would have ranked lower if the premise hadn't been so promising. Yeah. And some of it like some of it highs is, and lows. Some of it is genuinely good. Some of it is some of the best supernatural I've ever seen. Mm. Unfortunately, like 50% of it, some of the best supernatural I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The other 50% is the worst supernatural I have ever seen. Yeah. So it's like, I just can't justify giving it more than a two stars because of those moments that made me feel so physically uncomfortable watching the episode. They just missed the mark yeah. so severely. Well, it's, it's like I was saying, like, I actually, like, I said to you, I was like, oh, like, I'm really excited to, like, watch this episode. I think you're going to like it. Because in, like, the good supernatural that exists in my head, I remembered the highs of this episode and, like, it had, I just disregarded the lows well it's not even disregarded but like it's just i have spent so long having not watched the episode and only engaging with it in fandom and in fandom we tend to like obviously you fix it on the stuff you like yeah well we obviously talk about the problems in it but like the memes and stuff come out of the best bits and the memes are what get rehashed and reused and recycled so many times like you know the image of sam hugging that like random student and like you know crying into his hair has been used a million times like so that i really remembered again it's some of the best supernatural but the the issue is i think because you see all of the best moments of this episode again and again and again you kind of think you forget what happened in the rest of it yeah this episode was like it was was good and bad but like you think oh maybe it was like 90 percent good and 10 percent bad because you've seen so much of the good from it or like when you forget just how much shit is in this episode when you see gifs about the alien abduction you only see the one where they're slow dancing 
Like, that's not, that's the bit that people gift because that was the funny bit that they liked. Yeah. And so that's the bit that I remembered. I was watching that scene going, oh, I don't remember most of this. Like, I remember the slow dancing. So yeah. I went into it being like, oh, yeah, haha, this is the bit where he slow dances with an alien. Yeah. And I had forgotten about the rest, you know. And I think that actually says a lot about the importance of having to refer back to the source material. Yeah. Because it is sometimes easy, especially when you've got a show that is so long-lasting. Yeah. Like, 15 seasons is a, a shit ton. Yeah. So it's important to go back and remember, like, the context and things, because it's easy to forget. Um. Anyway, so a two? Yeah, two. Yeah, cool. The next episode is called Roadkill. What are your thoughts, hopes, fears, predictions for Roadkill? I'm hoping... It's what six, Route 666 should have been. Like, oh, it's okay. genuinely a story yeah. about a road that's sort of haunted. Mm. But, like, not by a racist monster truck, you know? Okay, yeah. You, you, like, hopefully, it's somebody was maybe hit by a car or something and died, and now they haunt the road, causing yeah. other people to have car accidents. I think that just about does it. So... If you would like to interact with us at all beyond this point, you can always feel free to hit us up on our social media. So you can always find Jamie over at Twitter at DriverPixPod. I feel like it would be super fun to send you headcanons about what you think an episode would have been like if Sam and Dean had ever been able to interact with Jess's parents. Like, say there is, like, some haunting going on at their house or, like, ooh, maybe one of them gets possessed by a demon. Ooh, that would have been fun, you know. Imagine the good supernatural that lives in all our heads. Let's let's just write an episode. Fuck yeah. it. Mm. Fuck it. We'll write an episode on Twitter. <laughs> let's tap that untapped potential. Yeah. If they're okay. not gonna do it, well, we'll do it ourselves. And if you want to interact with Bethany, she's over on Tumblr at Driver Picks the Podcast. And look, I wanna run a scientific experiment here. <laughs> We've already confirmed the dog whistle in this episode works on Bethany's dog, Arlo. I wanna know, does if you have a dog, does it work on your dog? So just get that episode up, go straight to that bit, and then just see if your dog reacts to the whistle. I I want (laughs) to, let's do a scientific experiment. Let us know if it does or does not. Is Richard Spade Jr. a dog whisperer? Exactly. (laughs) I love that. I want to know. And if you don't have a dog, maybe just like... Your cat. Your cat. Any sort of pet. Maybe just see if there's a dog that Bethany has forgotten in Supernatural. (laughs) And, like, shame her for forgetting the dog in Supernatural. I can't believe I nearly forgot the Yorkie. That's so upsetting. The Yorkie's so iconic. Um, okay. I hope you enjoyed. Hope to have you back next week. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.